0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Welcome to South Park Church. Thank you all for being here, whether you're in the room here in person in our traditional service or joining us from our modern worship sanctuary upstairs or watching online or listening to our podcast. It's great that we have all these ways of worshiping together, uh, but we're one church and we serve the one true God uh, with one message today. And uh, I'm so glad to have uh, Bonnie with me today. She's going to be uh, answering some questions and talking to me today, some about uh, transformation We are in the midst of a sermon series called All Hands on Deck, in which we're talking about how it takes all of us to reach our community for Jesus. And we've been looking at the core values of our congregation. We've looked at relationships, uh, generosity, and today, again, we're talking about transformation. Next Sunday, uh, all those who call this your church home will have a chance to make a commitment to serve God in 2023. Uh, And you can find these packets, we got a picture up here, uh, out on the tables outside of our sanctuaries and also in the crossroads space. And they list everything that you can be a part of in our congregation. So we invite you to take those home and pray about those. And there's a sheet in there that you can fill out and bring back next Sunday and we can all turn those in together. Uh, or you can receive this also online through our e-newsletter, uh, and you can turn it in online. But we'll have a chance to dedicate our service and our giving to God next week. But again, we're glad to have Bonnie here. Let's give her a warm hand for coming up here today and being with us. <clears throat> Bonnie, thank you for being here. And um, Maybe if you could just start off by saying how long you've been a part of our church and to let us know What's been going on in your life? You've had a lot of challenges lately. What, what, what have those been?
1: Well, I've been a part of South Park and Sharon since um, about 1979, 1980. And we joined in 81, And my husband and I, and we raised our two children in this church. Life has been kind of tough lately. <laughs> I will have to say the last three years have been really hard. Um, it started with the loss of Becky Workman. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm in a group called Companions in Christ, which is a spiritual formation group, and um, Becky was in our group with us. Then um, this past year, in um, August, I lost my friend Kathy Pell. And then that's not this year, this is in 2021, I lost Kathy. And then in October, my best friend Marty, or one of my dearest friends Marty, who helped me raise my dogs, you know I'm all about my dogs. Um, She helped breed my dogs and um, was just a master at Labrador retrievers, knew all about their backgrounds. She and I had been friends and we called each other sis because we felt like we were sisters of different mothers. And um, we, um, she in the spring had a recurrence of her ovarian cancer and died in um, September. And, I had a little fall in October. I'm so sure some of y'all remember that, that I had the big gash on my head, all the bruising, which was a little bit disconcerting. But not the worst thing that happened. The worst thing that happened that year was, last year was my friend Betty, who had been my best friend for 40 years, died. After having multiple myeloma and having a stem cell transplant at her former husband's funeral, she got COVID. And she passed away um, two days after Christmas. Um, we knew before Christmas that they said we're going to take her off life support, but we, that her sister and I talked about it, and we decided to wait until after Christmas to let her go. Um, and then this year, I was really sick in March, and I, it scared me a lot. It did. I thought I might die. I had a septic infection, and it was really scary, and that was pretty tough. But the toughest thing this year has been we lost my mother-in-law on September 21st, and she was 98. And I, I, I think she was ready to go. I feel like she was, but we weren't ready to let her go. We loved her so much, and we were very close to her. And she was a wonderful person and had been a model for us and for my children, adored her, and all of their friends adored her. They all, they took all their friends to see Grand Mary all the time.
0: Well, Bonnie, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that is a lot on you, a lot of loss, a lot of uh, in and out of hospital for yourself. And I just... Piles up on the pandemic and everything that you've been. How did you get through that? How, how has your relationship with God? How has your faith, your 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 small group, your faith group? How how have you dealt with all of this?
1: You know, Kyle, I've thought a lot about this after we talked the other day. Um, it's been on my heart a lot, um, and I will say that one of the things that has definitely gotten me through that is this church, is just having a place to come, to remember, to worship God, not just be mad at him, because I was a little mad. I mean, I told him, I said, this is some kind of colossal joke, that you took my two best friends in the world. But because I was so involved in my church, and I actually am involved in several ministries here, one of which is the communion ministry, and those ladies have helped me so much. Their perspective on life, just talking to them about things has meant so much to me. Another group is the hospitality group. They have been wonderful, and of course, I'm in the Companions in Christ group that um, we have been together for 18 years, and in those 18 years, we have gone through lots of things. One of our members has lost her husband and her mother and father, and, um, several people have lost parents. Um, another member lost her husband to suicide. We've had a lot, of, a lot of trial in that group, and in spite of that, we have stayed together, and our spirituality has grown. Exponentially, I think sometimes because of the loss, um, Jesus didn't call us just to live in the good times. He says in Romans 8, 28, everything. He didn't say just the good things. He says everything works for the good of those who love the Lord and work according to his purpose. And I think that's who we are in this church. We are people working for the Lord, and um, we are trying to live for his purpose. And so when the bad things happen, we have to remember that there's always some kind of silver lining in there. We may not see it today. We may not really see it in our lifetime. Um and it may not be our silver lining. It might be somebody else's. But God doesn't waste any good anything. He wastes nothing and he uses everything for good. So um and I know in Jeremiah 29 it says, "I know the plans I have for you for good, not for evil." And I believe that. Um and I think that's a lot of what has gotten me through. The hard parts is I've had so much support from the church, from my friends who are also Christians. Um, I've been involved in a lot of different ministries. And most of all, I've also been involved with working with Dahlia Grove, which we're going to be talking about more, I know, in December. Um, And it's been in our newsletter every week. If you haven't read it, please go back and read them. But um, working with people who... Um, If you don't know, Dahlia Grove is a ministry that works with ladies who have been um, prostituted, been sexually trafficked, been sexually abused, or just been domestically abused. Um, And it's a program that works with ladies for a two-year home stay um, with um, food. They're, They're required to pay nothing for that. And in the midst of that program, they are given counseling for financial reasons, for Trauma for all the things, and they're also taught so, a couple of different ways that they could earn a living uh, and encouraged to find new ways to live. And um, the ladies in the program right now are incredibly successful at doing what they're doing. And I have been appointed chair on the board for them, and I've been working to raise, raise money and raise awareness for them. And, you know, when you turn yourself to somebody who has so little and has had not had the wonderful life that I've had. I mean, yes, I'm sad about the losses I've had, but you can't be sad about loss if you haven't had great love. Mm. And so I'm just grateful for all the things I have had rather than upset that I haven't, that I've lost things. I mean, I was sad, no question, but at the same time, I'm lucky.
0: Well, Bonnie, thank you for sharing how the church and your faith and scripture and god have helped you through all of this how would you say as we talk about transformation today how has god transformed you through all that you've been through lately
1: i feel like he has he has made me more grateful he has made me realize how he is working in my life all the time and i used to think that i had to stop to pray that i had to do something special every time i prayed and now i feel like my life is like living a prayer that God is always around me and whenever something happens, I can just turn to him any second and just say something to him about it. I can comment, I can ask him a question, I can pray for safety for someone, whatever. But I feel like I'm living in the midst of God here on Earth. And that to me um, is how I've been transformed both by the groups and by the loss.
0: Well, Bonnie, thank you for your courage in coming and sharing with us today. You really are inspirational in how you're living out your faith and talking to us about what it looks like in everyday life to be transformed by Jesus. Let's give Bonnie another hand for being here today. It's good to see how God works in everyday life, isn't it? Praise God. I got a text message this past week from one of my very good friends, and it had a reference to a guy named Tom Holland, which I got excited about, because if you don't know, Tom Holland is a British actor, and he plays Spider-Man in all the Marvel movies. You can see a picture here of him, and so I thought, wow, I want to go see what uh, Tom Holland's been up to. Maybe there's going to be a new Spider-Man movie, something like that, but that's not the Tom Holland my friend was talking about. That's just where my mind went, and so he was talking about another British person named Tom Holland who looks like this. And uh, he is a genius. Uh, He got his PhD at Oxford University. He's an academic. He does a lot of teaching and research and stuff. And a lot of people like to listen to him and read what he writes. Um, And uh, he's also a very staunch atheist, doesn't believe in God. And the article that my friend uh, sent me to about this Tom Holland was that he, this brilliant atheist, uh, has started going to church and he started reading his Bible. And he's starting to figure out whether Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I don't know that he's made that confession yet, but he's on that trajectory. And so maybe you're like me and you wonder, like, how does this genius Ph.D. from Oxford University who's an atheist now move to going to church and reading the Bible and thinking about Jesus maybe being who he is uh, who he says he is. Like what, what happened in that transformation? And so I, I went and I followed that link and I read about what he'd done. And so he does a lot of research into history and he's interested in, in the way societies work and how we think and our ideas translate. And so he's studying the Western civilization that we find ourselves as, as, as Americans. And he went back and he's been researching things from ancient Rome and ancient Greece because that's really where our Western civilization has come from. And he noticed something that's different about Western civilization now versus Greece and Rome then. And he said back with Greece and Rome, they had all this, this great learning and knowledge and power, and, uh, but they didn't take care of the little people didn't take care of those who were oppressed and marginalized and on the outside and and power was something that you wanted to grab and at all costs and hang on to that even if you had to kill other people or 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 whatever and they're just they didn't take care of all the people and he said, but modern Western civilization is not perfect, and we still trample on people and oppress people, but there is an outward effort in modern Western civilization to take care of those who can't take care of themselves, or who've been marginalized, or who are oppressed. And he wondered, how do we get from Greek, Greece and Rome to current-day Western civilization? Again, not perfect, but making it a priority to take care of all people. And to make sure that power is used in a wise way, right? What was the difference in that? Which is a good question for us, isn't it? As our nation is divided politically, we just came through the midterms and the elections. We celebrated Veterans Day this past weekend and the veterans who fought hard and fight hard, you know, to make our country a free place, right? These are important questions about how we use power and so... Tom Holland, in his research, came up with this. A lot of people would say, what was the difference from Greece and Rome to today, taking care of people who were oppressed? It must have been the Enlightenment with all this philosophy and and all these these thinkers that came along through the pipeline. But he said, no, that's not it. He said, the reason that we focus on those who are oppressed and those who are hurting and those who are marginalized now is because of Jesus Christ and his death death. On the cross that in weakness there is power and it changed this man who was an atheist to begin questioning what is this Jesus who is this Jesus what is this Christianity and again he's going to church he's reading the Bible and he is checking out Jesus himself And I just think that's an amazing transformation in this man And it gives me hope for those in the world who don't yet know who Christ is. And so today, I wonder if there's room for transformation in our world. If there's room for transformation in the United States of America, between red and blue states. If there's room for transformation in North Carolina, here in Charlotte, in the South Park community, in South Park Church. Is there room in your life and my life for continued transformation by God? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect, right? And so I think there's room for Kyle to be transformed by God continually. And so what does that look like in our lives? So I want to go to the Bible today, and it gives us lots of good news about being transformed by God. Lots of ways that Jesus is ready to transform us. So let's see what the Bible teaches us about transformation. Let's begin first with... uh, Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2, about how Jesus transforms our minds. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's leave that up for just a second. right? Our way of thinking, our thoughts, right? we hear all kinds of messages about people telling us how to think all the time. From the internet, to the radio, to the television, to newspapers, if you still read those, to blogs, to people at school or at work, telling us how to think. And here Paul says that Jesus can help transform our minds so that we are in tune with what God wants us to think. Jesus is ready to transform our minds. Let's see what else he's ready to do. Jesus transforms our desires. Right from Psalm 37 4 in the Old Testament. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of his heart, of your heart. Right? And I think what this means is that sometimes we want the wrong things in life. Sometimes we want the right things in life, but sometimes we want the wrong things. The closer that we allow God to be in our lives, God transforms what it is that we should desire. Right? When God is in us and living in us, then we want different things. Then we wanted before we knew who God was I know y'all probably been following the Powerball lottery this past uh, few weeks right it was like almost two billion dollars when somebody won that in California this past week all right let me ask you honestly how many of y'all bought tickets all right now and I know you were going to tie that money right right? That'd been $200 million to give to God, right? Okay, so I got a confession to make today. You guys weren't the only ones that bought tickets. I bought, I bought some tickets too. Now, listen, I don't believe in gambling. Like, I did this for fun. I spent $12 on six different Powerball numbers, right? This is not, this is not what I rely on to live or to provide for Laura and our children, and you know, right? I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket, it was fun. I could follow the Powerball lottery. If I won $2 billion, then yeah, God's going to get a lot of that money, right? But of these six tickets that I bought, there's six numbers each, so that's 36 ping-pong balls, right? Do you know how many ping-pong balls I got right on these? Zero. That's right. (laughs) It's almost if it's God is saying, Kyle, I don't want you to win this lottery. And he's saying instead, hey, wake up, buddy. You've already won the lottery. I gave you life. I gave you health. I gave you a wonderful family. I gave you wonderful friends. I gave you a wonderful church. You have already won the lottery. Jesus transforms the way that we see the world, right? He transforms our minds, He transforms our desires, right? There there are things better than winning $2 billion, right? We've already, many of us, we've all won the lottery in one way or another. Do you see how God works with transformation? Let's keep going. Back to the scripture. We looked at this last week. Jesus transforms our relationships from Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Relationships are the most important part of life. We talked about this last week. I won't repeat all of that. If you missed that, please check that out on our website. But basically, I'm a better father because of Jesus. I'm a better husband because of Jesus. I'm a better friend because of Jesus. I'm a better pastor because of Jesus. Jesus transforms our relationships. Let's see what else Jesus transforms. We go to that next scripture. Jesus transforms our purpose, why we exist, why we are here. As Bonnie said, Jesus has plans for all of us, plans for goodness, right? Jesus says to his disciples and to us, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, right? That you would go and do things and people would see those, right? Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father, I will give you, right? Let's keep going. One more uh, scripture from 1 Peter 2:9, but you, followers of Jesus, are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You've been chosen by God to make this world a better place, through your gifts and through your abilities. And so as we as a congregation, we as followers of Jesus here at South Park Church, think about 2023. How is God calling you to use your gifts and abilities and financial resources to make the world a better place? God gives us a purpose, something bigger than ourselves. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? To go and make disciples of all nations. God transforms, Jesus transforms our purpose. And then one more today from scriptures I want to bring up. Uh, And Bonnie touched on this. Jesus transforms our hope. This is again from Paul in Romans 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now don't misunderstand this. God doesn't want us to say, yes, I'm suffering. This is wonderful. Give me more. Right? But when we do suffer, we can have hope that God's with us, that God will get us through this, and we will persevere, and it will give us character, and, and something good will come out of this, as Bonnie said from Romans eight twenty eight, God takes everything, even brokenness, and brings something good out of it. So how can a woman who had best friends pass away and relatives pass away and dealing with hospitalizations and illness herself, how can she sit up here and say, God, help me through this? I feel closer to God. I feel transformed by God because she understands the hope of Jesus. Jesus transforms our hope. He transforms our life even in difficult circumstances. Right? Jesus transforms our hope. Now, you might be sitting here today thinking, I would love for God to transform me. I, I need my mind to be transformed. I need, I need my hope to be transformed. I need my purpose to be transformed. Any of these things that we're talking about today. But you might be thinking, well, Pastor Kyle, I'm too far gone. You don't understand the wrong things that I've done, the evil things that I've done. There's, there's no way that God would want to transform me. This sounds great for other people, but I don't know that it applies to me. And I would just say that's not true. All right, let's look at this. I want to look at a man in the Bible named Saul, who was a faithful Jewish person. Remember, Jesus was Jewish, and the disciples were Jewish, and and from the Jewish faith, Jesus came out of that, and and, and he he changed it a little bit. He shifted it, right, from following some of the rules to believing that he was the son of God and confessing him as Lord and Savior, and and he shifted it, and, and it became the Christian movement coming out of the Jewish movement. And And Saul didn't like that. He's like, we have all that we need. This Jesus stuff isn't good. And so he was adamant to try to stop it. And so he began to arrest Christians. And he began to have them killed. And he was just public enemy number one of the Christian movement. Until Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light. And he said to Saul these words from the book of Acts. Saul fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is me, this is Jesus, this is God, right? Why are you doing this? And he blinded Saul, and Saul was blind for a little while, and then he sent a man named Ananias to to return his vision. So it's like Saul was blind to who God was, and now he's able to see Jesus. And so Saul does a complete turnaround killing Christians and arresting Christians to now becoming the number one proponent of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. He starts all these churches in the Mediterranean world. He writes them letters and creates most of the New Testament. And he becomes like the biggest evangelism person and missionary person. And he does a complete turn, right? If God can transform Saul, God can transform you and me. None of us are so far from God that God cannot transform us. And with Saul, it was a lifestyle change, right? He was against Jesus, now he's with Jesus. And we're all that way. Even though we're created in the image of God, which is good, we sometimes choose to do wrong things in our life, and that brings guilt into our lives and shame and and broken relationships, which the Bible calls hell. And, And so we need to be transformed. And that's why Jesus died on the cross and came back to life, so that we can be forgiven. Right? We, can, we can move from being a sinner to a winner. Right? Jesus says, I forgive you, right? Leave your sins behind, come with me, and I will restore you into the image of God that you've been created. We become justified. We become made right with God. And that's what happened to Saul. His entire life changed. We can have that as well when we ask Jesus to forgive us and to come and live in our lives and be our Lord and Savior. And when we do that even though we follow Jesus there's still certain wrong things certain sin that clings to us right it just it 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 hangs to us like some of us it's lust some of us it's greed some of us it's pride and ego and and throughout our lives we're trying to to work on that and so God sends the Holy Spirit to us to help with that sin that clings to us even though we've been claimed by Jesus we've been saved by Jesus As we continue to walk through our life, the Holy Spirit helps us to become more holy, to be more like Jesus, right? It's a lifelong process. It's called sanctification, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. But the point is, we're never too far from God to be transformed. Have you allowed God to transform you, to save you? Have you asked God to help you with whatever it is that still clings to you that that you want to leave behind, right? Are you allowing yourself to be transformed by God? Look at some of the people that that we call heroes of the Bible that God transformed. Look at at this list. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied. Sarah laughed at God. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson had some serious lust and anger issues. right? There's another list. The apostles, right? In the New Testament, the disciples of Jesus argued about who was the greatest. They were insecure and full of pride. Eli failed as a parent. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied Christ. These are our heroes. They're real people with broken lives that God transformed. And if God can transform them, God can transform us. Our lifestyle and the individual sin that clings to us. Are you ready to be transformed by the power of God, by the power of Jesus? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think that we learn from Scripture. God meets us where we are and helps us become the people we were created to be. You were created in the image of God, which is beautiful and wonderful, but it's kind of been scarred and, and stained because we choose to do the wrong thing sometimes, which the Bible calls sin. All right, so God meets us where we are and helps us become who we are created to be. He restores us in the image of God. He makes us more holy like Jesus. We don't earn this. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn our way to, to heaven. Jesus gives us this, and we simply receive that. Right? God meets us where we are. He loves us, and he sees the good and the bad, and he helps us become the people that we were created to be, right? So a couple of things I'd invite you to think about doing is a, a way to follow up with this, Okay. Uh, action steps. So the first one would be, right, can we bring that up? Ask God to transform you, right? Maybe it's the first transformation. We need to to ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, to move from sinner to winner, right? To to allow Jesus to to transform our life, to say, I want to live life to the full, God. I want to live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? Come and forgive me and be my Lord and Savior, right? Or maybe for some of us who follow Jesus, it's it's one or two of those sins that still cling to us. We've been claimed, we've been saved, but there's still something that we're struggling with. God, help me be transformed from this. Help me find counseling if I need counseling. Help me get help, Lord. I know that you've helped people in the Bible beat all kinds of addictions. Help me, right? Ask God to transform you. And then secondly, I'm going to ask you to do this, right? Join God in the life-changing business, right? God's in the life-changing business. We who follow Jesus, who have been transformed, it's our job to help other people come to know the love of Jesus, right? And so be a part of God's life-changing business, right? Be involved in the church. Prayerfully make a commitment next Sunday to serve God with your time and your talent and your treasure to support the ministries of the church. If you can sing, sing. If you can ring bells, ring bells. If you can run audio video, run audio video. Right? If you can teach, teach. If you can work with children or students, work with children or students. We all have been given gifts to build up the kingdom of God here in the South Park community and to help transform people's lives for Jesus. What is God calling you to do to serve God as part of our church family in the year ahead? Join God in the life-transforming business. So I started out talking about Spider-Man today. Let me end up by talking about Spider-Man today, right? So Tom Holland plays this guy, Spider-Man. He puts on a mask, and he spins webs, and he climbs walls, and he saves the day, right? So it's this... This young teenager named Peter Parker, who's a good kid, he's not perfect, he makes mistakes. But he finds out, right, he puts on this spider suit that he has all these amazing abilities that he never knew that he had until he was bitten by this radioactive spider. Right? He puts on that costume and he's able to do the amazing things that he does. He becomes a superhero and he has super abilities and powers. He never knew what his potential was until that happened to him. And I think that's how it is with us and God. Right Before we know who Jesus is, we're living our lives in the world. There's some good things in our lives. There's some bad things in our lives. right? But once we figure out who Jesus is, he shows us who we can be. Who we were created to be. And that we have talents and abilities and unique things like superpowers that can change the world that we can show a hurting world mercy and compassion and share the gospel of Jesus, right? And and, and talk about justice and talk about love and forgiveness, right? When we put on the cross, right, we put on the superpowers of God to transform our community, right? We remain Peter Parker, right? We're still a a human being who has good and, and, and flaws, but God shows us that there's more for all of us. What are your superpowers for Jesus? Have you figured those out? Are you using those, right? There's a in one of the very first comic books, Peter Parker has just gotten his abilities and this guy runs past him, the cops are chasing him and and the guys like, "Can you can you intervene?" He's like, "No, that's none of my business." Right? That guy goes on to kill Peter's uncle, right? And he just weeps. He's like, "I had the power and I chose not to use that for Jesus." Or not for Jesus, for, for good. I'm going to use that for Jesus. Right? We're just like Peter Parker. We have abilities and talents and all kinds of resources that God gives us to make this world a better place. And I'm just simply asking you as a fellow follower of Jesus, use your superpowers for good for Jesus to allow God to work through you to transform our world. God meets us where we are and helps us become who we were created to be. Ask God to transform you and be a part of God's life-changing business. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for believing in us. That you see that we are created in your image, God, even when we do wrong things and it stains that image. Thank you, God, for beating us where we are and loving us, that there's good in all of us, that there's evil in all of us, God, and and you see past it. That's why you came into the world to die on a cross and to come back to life, Lord, and so we ask that you would transform us. Help us to receive that transformation power in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be in the life-changing business. Help us to make a commitment next Sunday, Lord, to serve you with our time and our talent and our treasure. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves through relationships, through generosity, Lord, and through transformation. In Christ's name, amen.